Hey, everybody. That is Gary Smith. Hello. That is Kaz Kenny. Kapow! And I am Eddie Bramble, and this is episode 37 of the Blackwater's Edge podcast. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Kaz, start us off with this week's fishing report. So the fishing has been, I guess, worse than the stock markets. Up, down, up, down, up, down. <laughs> it's been all over the place. We've had rain. It's been cold. It's been hot. It's been sunny. It's been cloudy. It's been a little bit of everything. And we've been catching a little bit of everything. So, um... We all know cornflowers catching in monster crappy somewhere. Well, I know where it's at most. You look at the picture, we'll probably know where it's at too. Anyway, uh, he's catching some nice crappy. Uh, we're hearing a few white perch being caught around the refuge. Not many. Um, a few snakeheads of guys that are connecting. It's mostly on bait, and some of these guys are getting some numbers. Um, it's just a matter of being in the right place, right time. When they eat, they all eat. You've heard us say that for a long, long time. So. Don't be afraid to get a couple of those junk minnows from some of the bait boys and have them at your disposal. And don't be afraid to grab a handful and throw them in the water out in front of you or take a little slingshot and, you know, throw about maybe 20 minnows out in front of you with a slingshot or something like that and get the fish to come in to you. Eddie's over here laughing. There was a day that we sit at Key Wiles and shoot uh, uh Fish chum that used to buy in a little, the little like onion. I've bag. never seen anybody shoot on a yeah, slingshot. And, and R- Ricky can tell you about this. We were sitting there. At, I, I know I'm switching gears here, but me and Ricky one evening were sitting at Key Wallace, and everybody was fishing. Nobody was catching nothing. And I returned around. And I grabbed this sack of fish chum that I had pellets, right, and I had a slingshot. And I started shooting the stuff out in front of us, and I'm not kidding you. We started lighting the fish up like crazy. This is a true story. I was selling chum pellets. I bought a whole bag for like $10. I was selling cupfuls to people for a dollar a cup. And I think we made Ricky, I don't know what it was, like 20 some dollars off of, the, off of this fish. Heard of snake oil, never heard of snake pellets. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. So anyway, so yeah, so Key Wiles has been pretty good. You know, on sunny days, they've been catching some fish over there. 335, that's always a good spot. A lot of people that fish the refuge know that the basin right there all around the bridge at 335 is, is fairly deep water considering what's in Blackwater, you know, as abroad. So, uh, you know, it's a good place to focus in the colder days, you know, the deeper water. Don't be afraid to, to free line a minnow out there, you know, just a piece of split shot hanging in the current or something like that. Uh, there's ways to catch these fish all year. Don't hang your stuff up like you see all these guys saying, oh, I'm done for the year. I went on my last trip. Look, we fish down here 365 days a year, and we catch snakeheads in January and February and all the months. So, you, yeah, so you can come here and you can catch them. Um, over in the Nanakoop, the catfish are starting to pick up. The blue cats are starting to turn on. They're starting to catch some of them. Some good rock fishing over there right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, some big white perch are being caught. Uh, what else? Uh, a lot of guys been asking about drums. So, drum reports are far and few between right now. What we're hearing is a straggler here, a straggler there. There's no numbers. There's no mass being caught or anything like that. Uh, if you're fishing the chop tank or anything like that, um, speckled trout, rockfish, perch, they're catching all that at the 50 bridge. If you spot, uh, don't be afraid to catch a spot. Live line that back out there. You might get a five or six pound trout on that thing, believe it or not. You know, some people have done that this past week. And, and some of the local bridges here out around Dorchester County also, not just in the chop tank. Uh, what else? Uh, Hooper's Island, you know, it's rock and perch, a uh, few trout down there. You know, the Hunger River is one of the biggest nurseries on the eastern shore, you know, next to the Chrisfield area and down that way as far as the speckled trout go. Tangier, you know, there's a good population of them down there. But a lot of people overlook the amount of trout that we have right here in the Little Chop Tank, the Big Chop Tank, the Hunger River, Fishing Bay, and places that are real close to us. So you don't have to go real far to find these fish if you know what to do. Uh, what else? Um 
I mean, that's about the bulk of it here. I mean, me and Gary were talking about that. We're seeing just massive schools of shad this year like we've never seen before. And you've heard us talk about this many times in the circle of Blackwater, what's unfolding here and what's happening. And we're seeing it firsthand. And a lot of you out there around the culverts and pipes and things like that, you're probably seeing some of the same stuff too. So pay attention when you're here, when you hear us talk about what's happening here you're going to see it with your own eyes. It's not just we're sitting here manufacturing, pardon my French, bullshit for the public. You know, we're really telling you what we're seeing here. You know, Gary was out and he said, man, there's just hundreds and hundreds and thousands of shad swimming right now. And think about this, you know, when you take away the bluegill and you take away the crappie and you take away the bass and you take away the fish from the circle that predate on the shad and the carp and those kind of things, this is what we're going to see. You know, we don't have those smaller bluegills. We don't have those smaller crappie that are relying on those shad to grow. And not saying that the snakeheads don't eat a lot of shad because, yes, they eat a lot of shad. But my point is that these fish are reproducing so fast that the numbers are just exploding in other species, and that's where the effects are being felt. The carp numbers are exploding. The shad numbers are exploding out of control. Next will be the catfish numbers. That's what we're watching now. Again, look at how many bass everybody's catching this year and look at what we were catching last year and look at how many we were catching the year before. And if you really, really sit down and you really look at what's going on, you'll see the same things that we're seeing. Again, it's not the gloom and doom society. We're trying to let you know what we're seeing here and what's happened because now we're seeing it happen around the bay and other places, not just here. And that stuff is getting ready to become public. And a lot of you folks are going to see some things here that are really going to shock the living whoop out of you. You know what the I'm whoop. saying? The whoop, yeah. Not, I want not to the whoop. Yeah, it is the whoop, dude. The whoop, man. I didn't think about that. Let's bring on the whoop, bro. So, uh, no, I mean, other places, you know, we're hearing some good fishing up the Bay Bridge. You know, some of my friends locally back where I'm from in Hartford County, I mean, they're talking about some good fishing they got going on with some snakeheads. And they're seeing just numbers that they haven't seen. And this is the fall time. This is when you're going to see the mass different classes of fish as we head into winter. So you're going to see the numbers of now bigger fish starting to become more predominant up in the, you know, up the upper bay, which we're seeing everywhere. Sassafras, I think they had one 12 pounds this weekend in a tournament up yeah, there or something like size, that, yeah. you know? So, I mean, that fish is four or five years old. We knew they were in the Sassafras five years ago, six years ago, when they got them in the first pound net right off of 213. So we knew those fish were there. So, Folks, they are everywhere. Unfortunately, yes, we know we can't stop it. But as an angler and as a steward to the water, we have responsibility. And the responsibility is to do the next right thing. And that's the thing that we're asking the public to do. We're not asking you just to go out and murder fish. We're asking you to do the right thing. If you think that... Harvest responsibly. Yeah, yeah that, that's a good way to put it, Eddie. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, that's about where I'm with the fishing report. I am hearing that Peach Bottom up in Pennsylvania, if you like fishing on Conowingo Lake, that's starting to pick up a little bit. Those of you guys that fish warm water discharges, this is the time of year that you're going to see those fish starting to congregate to those areas, you know, Dickerson, uh, other places like that. So, um, yeah, man, just get out there, put the time in. You know, if it's a cold day, just dress warm and go fishing. Don't sit home on the couch, you know. Don't know if I mean? you don't go. Yeah, hey, yeah, that's we say it all the time. So, um that's where I'm with the fishing report. If anybody's got anything to add, feel free to put a comment in the podcast. Let us know what you're catching over your area. Let us know what you're seeing. If you're somewhere in Maryland and want to talk about how many snakeheads you're seeing, tell us in the comments, man. We want to talk about it. So Absolutely. That's where I'm at, Eddie. So this week we've got uh, Stephen Badger on here with us today. Uh, Stephen is the uh, he is a photographer, videographer, and a uh, 
public relations officer for the Department of Natural Resources here in Maryland. And he's a drone pilot, too. And a drone pilot. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't add that in there. We all wear a lot of hats. <laughs> <laughs> so how you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Appreciate you coming on. So tell, tell everybody a little about yourself. Well, as you said, my name is Steve Badger. I'm a uh, pri- Primarily, I'm a photographer and videographer for DNR. I do fly drones as part of supporting that. I'm also a public affairs officer, so I handle you know a few things, uh, public outgoing events, conferences, and such for the department. Work with them on the online store and some other features there. But uh, most of your audience, I think, would probably know me from just seeing me around the Blackwater area. You know, certainly spent the greater part of a year out here filming and working with you know various locals. We put together a series uh, that's all about how to target snakeheads. You know, we also do some work on the biology and the regulations, just to present some information to people. Uh, that might be interested in it. Of course, that's all available on our website there. But that's kind of how I met you guys. You know, I got in with uh, with Kaz through that. And uh, as you know, he was our, our featured subject <laughs> for our How to Target video. And we're grateful for the time he put in. Let us uh, let us do that. I was very grateful just to be asked to do that. And, you know, I think I think one of the things that I learned, you know, after I met Steve and this whole filming thing is, you know, you, you look at a photographer and you look at somebody that does this kind of work and, and, and you think, how much goes into it? Is it hard? Is it easy? Like I look at pictures and I'm like, Hey, I, I can take a good picture. It's not about taking a good picture. And I understood as we went through this, you know, how it kind of works. I am not no expert, but I think one of the biggest things that got me with filming was having to stop, having to restart, having to do things like that. And we had to do a lot of that. I know that. So not here we're live here. Yeah, so, so for those of you <laughs> out there that think that the job that somebody like Badger has is, is just something anybody can do. It's definitely not a job that no. anybody can do. You know, this is like he said, he wears many hats here at the department of natural resources and, you know, he's available. When they ask for somebody to be available, he makes himself available. You know, That's one. I mean, my, my sister-in-law is also a photographer on the side. And yes. People really under, underestimate the, the work that goes into photography and videography. Everybody just thinks they can do it, but it's 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 a lot of work behind the scenes to it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's all about catching opportune moments. It's a lot like fishing. You can go to the water and you can cast into that water, but that fish might not come up. You know, that seca might not walk by your stand. And so if you don't put yourself in the places and the times to get the shot – you're not going to get it anyway. But even when you do, sometimes you don't get it. There's those retake moments. There's those missed yeah. opportunities. You know, there's always in my life a car that drives by and honks a horn, gives you some noise you're not <laughs> expecting. You know, and there are, the work is accessible. People can do the work, you know, and I'm blown away by what I see content-wise by other people out there, and I love it. You know, it, as more technology comes up, people on their phones are getting creative. It's, it's, it's crazy what you can see and, and, you know, how we're getting turned on to stuff, you know, and, and inspired to go take the shots that we're going to take because somebody stood there already and took a perfectly good shot. Now, now you, you produce several different things for the department of Natural resources, not just how to target, not just regulations and things like that. Tell us a little bit about some of the other programs that you help to um, publish each month for department of Natural resources in the social media. And as far as the video, you know, the videos sure. and things go, well, you know, in the era of COVID things have changed a little bit. So a lot of what we're doing right now is uh, virtual ranger experiences. And so we've got park rangers from around the state are working remotely with their own devices, their phones, and you know, smaller action cameras and small brand cameras. And they're doing filming and editing and scripting. And uh, I help put the department stamp on it and get it up for the public to enjoy. Um, and so we've been doing a ton of that. But I also, you know, our agency is very wide ranging in its mission. You know, we manage forestry, the right. park service, fisheries, boating, 
natural resources police, all of these fall under their natural resources umbrella. And I'm fortunate enough to get to go spend time with all these folks. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't have enough time to tell you about all the projects I get to work on, but you know, we uh, we're out there trying to bring some, some level of transparency into the operations of what we're doing. So, you know, how we're working, where we're working, what we're working. Again, it's a lot like that fishing report. We're just here to tell people where we are and what we're up to. And so, uh, you know, normally uh, before COVID, I would do a, a monthly video newsletter right. that touched upon a story here and there from various units, various parts of the state. Maybe I'm out in Western Maryland doing a treating of uh, underwater grasses like hydrilla. And maybe we're with the Natural Resources Police at their, you know, cadet or, or the academy. So there's always something interesting going on. You know, in COVID, we're, we're not as in the field as we are. Our people are still in the field, but I'm not putting myself out there to make their job any harder. They're already working hard in these special times. And so we've, we've clammed up a little bit, but it's mostly the, the Park Service is getting a lot of content out, and that's great to see. I, I think the coolest thing for me is just the amount of different content that you deal with. I mean, it could be the, like you said, the monthly newsletter. We've done some filming ice fishing. We've done, you've done black bear stuff. You've done uh, snow owl things. You've done all kinds of stuff that the average outdoorsman would just die oh, to go and do, you know, so I think lucky. that is the coolest thing. Like I, some of the pictures you've shared with me, I'm like, my gosh, that would just be amazing, man. Just to, I don't want to sound like some, some softy, but I would love to hold a little baby bear somewhere someday. You know, <laughs> I've got one of the most amazing jobs in the world. You know, I'm, I'm really fortunate. There's a, 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 a beautiful state to work with. You know, Maryland gives you so many options and just such a small package and, in a three-hour drive, you can go from mm. Atlantic coast to, you know, a gorgeous swamp and go a little further. You're in the mountains. It's spectacular. There's so much diversity here, not only of, you know, geography and physiology, but also just different habitats. And then the people working in those habitats. Our team is phenomenal. You know, we've got so many people out doing so many jobs. It's hard to describe it all in one conversation, but, you know. I'm a lucky guy. I get to see and be with people that do incredible work for the state of Maryland. And, you know, from a conservation standpoint, it's like a dream come true for me getting to see this stuff in action and seeing people putting in that work, knowing that future generations are going to get this benefit. It's just, it's just tremendous. Now let's talk about how you got to here, because this has been a long journey. This isn't something that just unfolded for you in two years. This has been, you get to know somebody, you hear their story, and this is something that took time to come together for you. But I think the amazing ending to the story is what you said, you know, where you are now and just this awesome job that you've got now. You know, so let's talk about how you got to here. Well, I think, uh, you know, my first experience with DNR, I came in as a seasonal employee <laughs> with the Park Service. And I, I really actually, I started as a volunteer. I was a disc golfer. There's a disc golf course at the Patapsco uh, State Park at the Marriott'sville area. And I was volunteering time there and uh, helping the Rangers to sort of rebuild aspects of that course. One of them was a, a tremendous guy, one of my favorite people on the planet, Ranger Joe Vogelpohl. And he you know, basically offered me a job, and I, I was apprehensive at first. I was kind of a guy that, that wanted to come and go on my own time, and I was happy to help them and happy to build stuff. But at the same time, it was intriguing because I, you know, I'd seen park rangers and been envious of their job. And, <laughs> you know, quite frankly, it, it looks like a, a great experience to have. And so eventually I'm like, yeah, man, I'm in. And I signed up. And so I, you know, I spent a couple of years in like seasonal maintenance, working contact stations, helping out rebuild projects like, you know, horseshoe pits and again, stuff on the disc golf course. 
working in the campgrounds, doing whatever I could do. And I like to build stuff. You know, I like to plant trees, these lasting mines. So the work was exciting. I was putting in a ton of hours and loving every minute of it. You know, they were having a hard time keeping me out, you know, <laughs> you know, some people get tired of it. They do their eight hours and they go home to me. It was like, man, how do I get a head start on the next day? And I, you know, I'd put in a couple of volunteer hours after my shift and it didn't feel like anything because I'm working outside. It's beautiful. The weather's, you know, come on. I mean, how do you get any better than that? And it, it was just sort of a natural progression through there. I spent a lot of time with the park service. Um, I followed that same ranger, Joe. Uh, I followed him up to Soldier's Delight. He started to manage. Um, we have an aviary up there as part of the Scales and Tails program. And they uh, basically, they they work with non-releasable, rehabilitated birds of prey and reptiles. And they work with huh. them as animal ambassadors. And they basically teach conservation messages to children, families, park visitors, what have you working alongside these birds and that helps to bring the audience in and captivate them and make it real for them and, and kind of tie it home. And I did that for a couple of years. And again, how cool is that? that I, mean, is I, got cool. to, yeah. I got to, you know, kids thought of me as Indiana Jones. You know, I, had, <laughs> I had a big old, you know, a Raptor on a glove on my hand and I got to talk to him about this fascinating and amazing animal. And, you know, I was pretty much hooked from there and, it, uh, you know, the typical park experience, you know, we have that busy season through the summer that kind of, peters out after labor day and i i found myself i got uh, they asked me to go down to their headquarters building i'm fairly decent with organizational stuff and they had a backlog of stuff they wanted me to help tackle and you do some office stuff and so i did that and one thing led to another and the next thing i know i was working with a, a phenomenal lady christina holden who uh used to be again in, like a public relations job with the park service she did a lot of veteran outreach and she also handled social media and so I she's took, pretty awesome she, she's oh dude you don't get any better i Christina for president, but, uh, um, you know, she, she took me under her wing. She, she brought me into her team. And again, the level of gratitude I have, you know, I, it was sort of a Pinocchio like experience. She, she was, she was there for me and basically helped me make my career. And I worked with her on various social media, you know, I generate content, I'd create stories and maybe go find pictures. I wasn't really taking any at that point. I was borrowing from, you know, what was publicly available and right. free to share and use and then creating, you know, and, a, a naturalist moment talking about that songbird or talking about that sunflower field or whatever it was. And that one day she said, Hey, why don't we make a video, you know, and it springboarded. And so I made a video and they liked it. And they're like, Hey, make another. And then they liked that one. They said, well, Hey, make another one. And then the, the superintendent came to me and she gave me one of the best projects I ever had. We did a big showcase piece for all the parks that featured a little something, something of all the different places. And man, that, that, brought a lot of rangers around they they really liked seeing it that you know they, it was a, it it worked out you know and it, it was a great video i loved being a part of it the team it was just it was an amazing amazing experience and that got noticed by dnr you know long story short i was in the park family i you know I, that's it i was branded and the office of communications saw that i did did video and saw that i could do a little bit of you know photography work and graphic arts and they said hey come work for us it's not seasonal it's that year-round gig I took the job and haven't looked back. It's been phenomenal. How many years have you been with the Department of Resources now? Ooh, I think we're going on 12. Wow. Yeah. yeah, 12 years. So let's talk about um, let's talk about your adventures here in Dorchester County. All right. Um, we know you like to come here and go fishing. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Steve will tell you that I was one of those guys with a loud voice in the beginning after three or four years. Everybody knows you have a loud yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah. 
you in know? the beginning. That's not the secret. And, and, and I think, I think that, that Steve kind of saw where my head was or where it was going to from where it had been. And, of course, those of you that know me in the beginning, I, I didn't really have a conformed opinion, really. Um, I could care less what you did or what you didn't do. And then after four or five years of watching what unfolded here, then my opinion and my views changed. And that's just me personally. And then I think that Steve saw some of the work that DNR was doing. And I think that you wanted to get into some snakehead fishing. And I was more than happy to help you with that. And then we went into some other things after that. But when I first told you about the snakeheads and what it was like here, I mean, did you believe that it was the magnitude that, that we were discussing and telling people? You know, I, I think uh, I think I was caught off guard by the scale of it. You know, it, Blackwater's not an easy place to explore if you don't have certain amenities. You know, it's easier to get out there if you have a nice flats boat or a kayak or a canoe. You can kind of see more of it. But if you're, you know, if you're stuck on shoreline or if you're stuck in your car, you don't see it. I've gotten the fortune of seeing it from the air, and so now I have an understanding of how it got there. But coming in, I just I no, I, I don't think I got I grasped how much land was here, what that land looked like, and how that land would lend itself to be the habitat that it is for snakehead. But you know, I I want to be clear that that's a personal opinion. You know, I'm not a biologist for DNR. I'm a right. photographer absolutely can't you know i can always point someone to the question but my personal opinion is it's it's pretty significant you know this is a, a heck of a fishery for a lot of things but in my own experience you know predominantly i seem to be catching snakehead here i can't speak about that from any scientific background but whew, and you can't say it anywhere else that you're fishing in no, the state really that's, at that's this correct. point you know what i'm saying if i want a cooler full of snakehead i come here you know that as a as an angler as a guy who likes to fish i mean you're going to be hard pressed to have a bad time coming to the, this general area on the mm -hmm. shore. I mean, you've got some of the best sunrise and sunset views, the sound of Sikas in the marsh in the distance. If you can't enjoy serenity here, you're not trying. And so, you know, whether it is you're, you're chasing white perch or you're chasing snakehead or rockfish or specks or drum, there's a place to go. It, you know, you might have a little bit of a drive ahead of you, but you know, that's part of the fun too. You pass by some beautiful stuff, stop at a local store, get a local meal. And, uh, you know, it, we were char so charmed by this area and coming over and just filming. I was so charmed that I talked to my wife. We keep a camper over here now. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's hard not to come back after oh, you come here one time. I mean, it's just, yeah. it really is. I mean, if you really do the tour, if you drive around, you spend an hour on these roads and just drive and look, you see things that people in this world never see in their whole entire lifetime. And you can see some of these things more than one or two times, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, like a lot of guys don't know this, you know, you get away from Cambridge and you get away from a lot of these more congested areas because there's not, not congestion anywhere out here. <laughs> so I don't know how the word is to use, but for instance, you know, that when we have meteor showers, I oh. can drive out somewhere on some back road somewhere and shut my lights off. And it's not even about the meteors. Oh, correct. When you look up and you just see that sky and mm. I ain't never seen a Milky Way, but when I look up, that's what I see is the same thing that I see like in a picture of a Milky Way, you know, through the whole entire sky. Well, you, yeah, you, you see satellites down. flying through the air with your naked eye like it's nothing, yeah. you know? Yeah. And when you got the meteors, oh, man, dude, you can just lay there for hours on the hood of your car and just be mesmerized. Oh, you know, everybody you know? that I've taken fishing uh. this summer that we've come back at the edge of dark. 
I'm driving the boat and they're turned around taking pictures of the sunset behind me. I mean, Gary, even, just, even you, I mean, you, you, you get to see like, like last week you went out and did some hunting, that video you shared with them. I mean, oh, yeah. how many people get to do stuff like that? Go somewhere that's oh, never man. been hunted before. Go to a new area. Go check it out. Be one of the first guys in there to kind of see that kind of stuff, that's, you know? That's why I go. My wife asks me all the time because you know, I have trouble with my back. She says, why do you go? Because I can. <laughs> <laughs> so, ba- so Badger, we, we, know, we know that, you know, we know you like snakehead fishing. What other kind of fishing do you do? I know you like to go down to the Outer Banks and do some surf fishing, things like that. So let's talk a little bit. You know, we'll get back to snakeheads. Let's talk about, you know, what else Badger likes to go and do. I mean, what kind of fishing do you like? I like it all, man. I mean, again, for me, it's about chasing serenity. You know, I I like the spots that are not heavily fished, but I also have found spots that are really heavily fished that are just clearly the place to be. You know, uh, growing up, I didn't do too much fishing. And my, my dad had a boat. We, we occasionally dropped some lines off his boat, but I don't have any memories of it being like a hardcore hobby of my dad's. And as we get older, we went to, you know, coastal beaches and, you know, I think we surf fished a little bit, but I think it was just my dad trying to distract us kids. So we didn't bug them and, you know, it gave us something to do, but I fell in love with it. You know, being at the ocean out on say, you know, one of those drive on beaches, the RV zone at Assateague and you, you look to your left and you look to your right. And there isn't anybody. It's you, and it's the dunes, and it's the beach, and the waves are crashing. And, again, if you can't have a good time and quiet your mind in that atmosphere, I I can't help you. But to me, it's everything. And so, you know, I learned at an early age to check the wind and the weather and, you know, come up for that midweek trip to Assateague and just have the time of my life surf fishing. And as I got older, you know, you start bringing your friends into it and, I, one of my friends eventually drug me down to uh, the Outer Banks to Buxton and where those shoals crash. Like, you know, you go out to the point in Buxton. And if you, you, know, you got to need a vehicle to get you out there, you can walk out. But come on, you, you, <laughs> get, get a four wheel driver, you're dragging a lot of gear. But, you know, you get out there and it's spectacular. You know, it's like the ocean is having a fight with itself and the shoals are, are right there at the beach. And if you can park a you know seven or eight ounce weight right up on that sandbar and let that water take it off into the trough, eventually a drum is going to swim by and want to bite that thing. And then again, you got a party on the line. You know, is it, a, is it a forty inch fish? Is it is it another dang skate? Is it a blue fish that's going to rob you blind? You know, it, the mystery is there, but the the place is the place to be. You know, and I I can put a chair up on the beach with no line in the water and be perfectly content just watching the ocean do its Amen. thing. And you know. At the height of it, you know, when, when the fish are swimming by, when you got those big drum coming by, everyone on the beach is hooking up. You know, it's it's not the occasional puppy in the surf. It's like, you know, citation fish after citation fish coming through. And it's, it's just monstrous to be in the presence of all those powerful animals swimming by. And you get you get to have that moment on the beach with them. It's, it's just too cool. Do, do you have... Do you have do you have any 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 fishing trips that stick out in your mind that you know that the the I mean we've all got a couple sure I mean is is there any that you can think of you want to share with us some good stories Yeah I mean a lot of my stories are stories of failure you know my successes okay. <laughs> are born on dysfunction I remember what, I've caught plenty of great fish don't get me wrong I'm thankful thankful that those fish took my bait but I think one of the the toughest was a, just the longest fight and it wore me out you know I it the behavior of what was on the other end of the line seemed like a drum. It, it, it had all those all those things, but it kept running on me. 
You know, eventually drums kind of give up. They crash to the beach. They come at you, and you can kind of play them and get them in quickly, which is what you want to do. You don't want to tire this fish out. But I'm here to tell you, this thing tired me out. I think I had a nuclear sub on the other side of the wall. And it kept, <laughs> well, for it, kept, no. it kept running. And, I mean, the acid was burning in my arms. And my I had the claw, the crab claw grip on my rod. And I, everything hurt. And it ran on me again. And I, I've been fighting this thing for like an hour and ten minutes, which is ridiculous wow, for a yeah. drone. It's ridiculous. And I started thinking, you know, is this a skate? Is this a, you know, what is this thing? Because you could... It can be anything down there. There's a cocktail of things. It could be a big shark. It could be a big drum. A walrus. It came in and it was indeed a drum. And I saw it. It was the biggest drum I've ever spit that I've ever been on my line, period. And, you know, I'd, I'd say probably somewhere in the 47, 48 inches, you know, and I, I've caught some big 40s, but that's, that's a big boy for me. And uh, it ran on me yet again. I, you know, I got in close enough to the surf. I thought I was about to land it and it ran again. And I got to tell you, in a moment of weakness, I didn't know what else to do, and I tightened my drag, and it just snapped the line and ran away, and I said, God, what a dummy am I. Uh, and that moment still sticks out to me. Every time I'm fishing on a beach, I am checking my drag every five seconds. I, sure. I, think, I think we all got, we all probably got them <laughs> yeah. stories, don't you, Gary? What do you, you, I'm sure you got one like oh, that, don't you? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the, one, the one that got away, you know. And But I still, you know, I had a great trip, you know, that – after I was done with that fish, it probably took me an hour to be right again. You know, again, everything hurt. The acid had built up. My muscles were just dying. But I was so caught up in the moment that as soon as I could cast again, I did cast again. And I, you know, I brought in a, a couple of a fairly decent sized drum knot trip. So, so it, it, every year is that you go down there every year or try to get down there every year? You know, I, I, in a perfect world, I would. But I also, you know, I, my sense of adventure takes me to a lot of different places. And so, you know, as much as that's definitely the destination place to go to, if you're looking to catch drum, I'd like to mix it up a little bit. So I can't devote myself to one spot every year. I just, I need to, I need to keep free. And you, know, you only get so much vacation time. So. And, and, and we're talking about failures and learning from our failures. That's how we learned to snakehead fish. Oh, yeah. oh, you yeah. know, I mean, that's the only way to learn. I yeah. mean, I, I think, I think especially for me and you and I'm, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about our filming this sure. segment that we filmed, Let's do you know, it. Let's because do it. because we really, really Badger's like, oh, it's gonna man, this be no problem, bro. We'll be on in like you man, this we'll be done in a we'll be done in a couple days. And how long did it take for us to put that segment together? Probably a couple of months. I mean, there's an asterisk that has to be, you know, people got to know. The reality is, if you're in the video business, if you if, you know, I don't care if you're an amateur like me or you know a lower end production like us. Or if you're a studio production house, you go to film a fishing scene. <laughs> it does not happen on your timing. We have learned that multiple times. And we so, learned it with that. Yeah, yeah. You can have your phone can blow up, and it's everybody calling. Dude, the fish are on their bite, and you're two minutes away, and you make that first cast, and it shuts off like a light switch. How, how many times did did you say, "Man, I saw you smoke today. Do get down here tomorrow, bro. Get down here tomorrow. We're gonna go tomorrow." And I was there at six a.m. And, and what? And and. It's mosquito bit and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Donate some blood yeah. and hunting same way. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, just, you know. it's a pursuit of things. And, you know, that's the frustrating as, as you started with your segment, you know, a lot of people don't realize the amount of time it goes in because when you're watching it, you know, it's a 15 second thing on the screen. You cast the fish is on, you reel it in, you touch, you know, hold the fish up. It's a fantastic fish. Sadly, we probably video, <laughs> we had takes enough for probably 100 casts before one was even caught. Yeah, at you least. Know, and then sometimes you have those, you know, those moments where you try to set the hook and you pull it out of its mouth because you've been filming for an hour and you just want to get it. 
It's a tough. It's a tough ask. And, and then finally, one day it happened for us. Well, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> the thing the thing that got me started with you, you know, so I I heard about you know snakeheads were they're a subject of contention. You know, people have a lot of opinions about them. They Love them or hate them. I get it. About them, it's got like a cult following. And what I what I saw was is that we wanted to get as much information out there as we could to help people go harvest them because that's what our biologists are recommending. And so it's like, well, hey, let's just do a how to video. And I started kind of just, you know, as anyone else would start doing a little bit of research, seeing who's catching them and how and why and where. And uh, dude, you, the number of pictures that you have personally, <laughs> you know, I'd like to think, you know, it's not possible that you could just be like changing your shirt and holding up the same fish. You know, it's remarkable. I had probably a thousand photos of you holding a fish to choose from. But then when we went to get it live, <laughs> that's when the problem started. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I knew that you could deliver. I had no doubt. I'd been in your presence and seen you deliver. But, you know, again, those opportune moments didn't align when the lens was on you. I even one day pulled corn flour into the mix and said, dude, you got to go help Badger oh, yeah. out, dude. We haven't done nothing. Yeah. He's got to get this yeah. thing laid down, man. I don't care. And I think that day that he went, that was the day that he pulled in. The, little, <laughs> the only fish he caught was an yeah, eight-incher. Yeah, yeah. And it was funny because he reaches out like this, like it's some big fish, and he picks it up. Like, oh man. And the same thing happened to us when we were filming with MBT. Yep, MBT oh, we, yep. we filmed with yeah. them, and it was, it was like six, eight hours and, and didn't catch a fish nope. the first yeah, day. Nope. Scared to death we could not deliver because they only had two days to film. Yep. Well, you know, the, some of the harder parts of that, you know, is, is you also have the technical problems. Like, mm-hmm. you're out there and people are catching fish, but they're only doing so into the sun, and I can't film it because you're a silhouette. Yep. I can't right. see what, what, you know, my camera doesn't have a human eye. And so it's got this, you know, this obstruction of like just again being in the right moment at the right time and in every one of those instances when we were filming you we we put in our eight ten hours some days we you and i put in some long days and then eventually be like you know what let's pack it in for the day you know you go catch a meal and then as a private angler i'm done with work for the day it's five or six o'clock you know middle of summer i got two hours before the sun goes down i'm gonna go try and and you just you just nail them as soon as you put the fit, the camera away, <laughs> you just a, fill the coolest. Snake, like, Snakehead are scared of of cameras; they really are. It's really every fish in the world. <laughs> That's true. But you know, and and then the frustrating thing is, is you're torn. It's like, okay, well now they're biting. Do I put my camera away and and stop fishing and start filming? And I would, and then the bite would shut off. And it just it was just it was just finding the time to align that. And luckily, you know, we we put in enough time. We did, but I think that. All of those failures, just like anything else, add up into something positive. And that, right. you know, we we took ourselves basically all across Dorchester County. We did. Look at how many different people we met, how many people that we filmed, you know, a shot of them casting or a shot of them catching at some point. The, just the fishermen we met, the the different stories. And it, it took things in a direction we might not have gone if we'd have been, you know, first day successful. So. And then you just made me think about something when you said that the amount of pictures we took of other people. You took that shot of Sporto walking off of the bridge holding that big fish. So the only reason I'm bringing him up is Sporto and his friend Alberta, they love doing the stuff you'd like to do down there in the Outer Banks and all that. So oh, right. next time you go, maybe reach out to Sporto and he can okay. return the favor to you for you letting him get. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> no. it's it's odd. That was actually one of the worst shots of the entire video because it was off the cuff. Nobody was catching. Right. I, you know, I remember. I, I don't mind. Is it okay to spoil their spot? You know, I'm not. A, I'm a, I'll spot burn. I'm with DNR. Go catch them. Uh, it was it was DeCourcy Bridge. There's 30 people fishing DeCourcy Bridge. Nobody dragging in anything. I'm literally walking back to my car. I've got most of my camera gear put away. It's not on my tripod anymore. I think I got my lens cap on. 
and I hear the commotion of somebody catching a fish and turn around and pivot for just long enough to see him being like, I ain't letting this thing back into the water. And he crossed the, I didn't have time to set up the shot. The light was wrong. I was so far away, but what a fish. It was. You know, what a fish. And it was, I knew Sporto was cool with letting me film him because we, we had spoken before and it was like, you know, a lot of times you, if somebody's fishing, you have to go up and you say, hey, you know, this is who I am and what I'm looking to do. Is that okay? And quite frankly, a lot of people don't want to be bugged, and that's right. cool. You know, we're, we're absolutely willing. We to, had guys know, on the yeah. MPT thing yeah. like, no, don't put me on a film. Yeah, I'm, I'm right. called in dead today at work. <laughs> right. I can't be yeah. on no one, TV One guy show. fishing <laughs> two, two spots away from us, he said, yeah, yeah, I can't be on the camera. I'm supposed to be at work today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said earlier well, before we started about the serenity, you said it on, on the video too about the serenity, exploring. And that that hits me. I, I was doing that in the seventies. Oh man! I spent countless hours out on on the black water to check with Comico. If these and, people could see the pads that used to be in there, oh, man, you know, I, I can remember one time going putting over in Raccoon Creek and going out. I had a girlfriend with me, and we get out there, and I had no idea where the hell I was. <laughs> and there's this little island out there, so I go there, and there's a tree, and I climb up the tree. Look over and I can see Winget. I said, huh, wonder if they're civilized over there. <laughs> you, just, you don't know where the hell you are, you know. That, anything south of Church Creek is just oh, barely civilized. Yeah, well, right. just, uh, <laughs> you better watch what you're semi, saying. We might semi get your ass whooping tonight somewhere <laughs> yeah. in the dark. But, you, know? Uh, you know, it's just places like that. You just had no idea where I was. I actually was on Snake Island. Hmm. And I had been there before, but just not that direction. Had no idea where I was. Has anybody sitting here ever got lost in the refuge? Oh. I don't know if I got lost. You talking I, about this week? I got or? stuck. <laughs> I remember that. I remember <laughs> I that. Why stuck. don't you tell us about that? <laughs> you know, if, if, if you've spent any time over here in Blackwater, you know that sometimes standing on land is not the move. Standing on land, <laughs> you know, there are other people fishing. You kind of want, you, you know, who wants to be shoulder to shoulder with somebody? Let the guy who was there first. He, he put in his time. He got up early. He got there. Leave him alone. You know, give him the spot that he needs. And what's more is give him the spot next to him because he isn't going to stand in the same place all day. So don't go and park six feet away from some guy. Figure out how to put yourself into a spot that's going to get you fish and, and leave that guy alone. And so next logical solution is kayaks. <laughs> and, you know, I a bunch of my Yahoo friends talked me into putting in off a of Maple Dam Road one day. And, you know, it's a, just a, a not a clearly an undeveloped launch. And, Everything was right. No the water launch. was high enough. The wind was the right direction. The tides were where they should have been. Everything was right. And we went out and things changed. <laughs> you know, it wasn't supposed to change, but it did. And basically, you know, the Blackwater experience, you get a big wind up, blows all the water out. It has nothing and, to do with the tide. Yeah, I, I found I found that my my big ass is stuck out on the mud for a very long time. <laughs> I had to do a shimmy that is just an ungraceful motion for approximately a quarter mile. And there, there were I a few moments. I can see it right now. Yes, yes. Do the badger. Do badger. My abs were burning when I was done. It. I, I thought that I was going to have to oh. wait it out. There were, a few, there were a few moments when I hit a near exhaustion level and was like, this is just going to be my story. This is <laughs> <laughs> They're going to find my body. I'm going to be 90 pounds blood just blood gone from mosquito corpse bites. found in a kayak <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that'd be a good movie the corpse in the kayak oh, man. Man. That's, that, that is how a good movie <laughs> all 
Um, yeah, I've been stuck a few times and lost and everything else. Well, I'm thinking about it. We got another raffle ticket here for the Midshore Fishing Club oh, for yeah. anybody that's interested in getting herself a free snakehead trip for three anglers, and it includes lunch at the Wolford store, which they have really good cheesesteaks and snakehead bites. So if you would like to get that raffle ticket, you'd be the first one to comment. Say, give me that raffle ticket. We'll give it to you. Um, so, Badger, what... With the COVID thing, what what are we doing now? I mean, what 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 are you guys doing as far as work wise? You're not out filming, you're not doing things. So, so what is Badger's job now? A lot's changed. So yeah, but it, so what I tend to do is the work with the Park Service on their virtual ranger experience videos. I still, you know, there's there's side projects here and there. I was just up at Fair Hill. They uh, their inaugural five star was forgive me. I think it was. Uh, this week here, I think it's, it's, it's going on, but obviously they're in a, you know, a virtual level too. So we did stuff in, in advance of that. I put a drone up in the air and got some shots of what the field was looking like. Um, essentially I do what I've always done. I, I, whatever they need me to do, wherever they want me to go is where I'm going to go in a lot of situations with, with field staff, you know, if I'm there, I might be crowding them in a boat and you can't socially distance in that regard. And so, you know, if I can long lens something, I will. But as far as being too close to people, uh, that, that just doesn't work so well. So uh, I work remotely. I edit videos, as I said, that rangers are taking on their phones or with other devices and put them together and, uh, you know, putting together whatever the department needs and still kind of crushing through the online store stuff. Use outside sources too or just, just – Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you know, whenever you put together a video, whatever assets you have are phenomenal. And so – you know, the DNR is blessed to have a catalog of images that we've built up through our photo contests and volunteer photographers um, and even staff that, you know, find themselves in the right place at the right time. I'll borrow that imagery when I need it. You know, obviously give credit where credit's due. We put it in the videos and, uh, you know, in the descriptions as well. But we have a pretty huge catalog that I can I can build almost any storyline from. It might be dated. It might be older imagery, but it still tells a certain story. I, I got to tell you, the whole virtual ranger thing is really awesome. Like, cool? like I've I've been watching it all the time. You know, the one that Christina did a while back that was that was pretty Perfect. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, we just we just put out a blue crab one. Uh, I don't know if it's gone public yet, but uh, a young man that works over in Jane's Island, it's uh, you know, it's all about Doherty Creek Canal. A lot of kids and families are doing hand lining for crabs there, and you know, he just wanted to give people a little bit of information because, like anything else, crabbing and fishing is a great thing that you can go do right now and sort of be alone, uh, but not be too close to anybody it's sure uh, sure good place now i know i know that um you've been doing some crabbing here lately yeah a little bit so i've seen you got some big crabs here lately. let's talk a little bit about where you like to fish where do you like to fish over on your side so you know i, I uh i live essentially uh at the conflux of the south river and the bay i live right at the mouth there and uh thomas point man I, I spend quite a bit of my time going out to the to the shoal light and just you know in the you take some amazing pictures out there. I can tell you that. Hey, Thomas Point is phenomenal. You know, it, it's one of those perfect paddles. You know, my old community in Annapolis it was about a three mile, and my current community it's about four miles to the lighthouse, four and a half. Um, and it that's that's plenty of paddling. It gives you plenty of time to think and stretch <laughs> your legs, stretch your arms. And it's spectacular. There's something about just floating out there with a lighthouse between you and the land you came from. It's, I love going out there and just watching the sun go down again. I, I can be fishing if the fishing's hot. A lot of the times, you know, on your way out, you have the luxury of seeing everybody in the world come and go from the lighthouse. The boat comes in, the boat leaves, boat comes in, boat leaves. And that tells you something right away. Either they got on a keeper and they boogied or they just weren't biting. And 
man, if they invite, I'll just sit there and watch all y'all take pictures, you know, enjoy, enjoy myself and just float. So typically what are you targeting when you go out? So I, fish I mean, a lot of time, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an anapolitan. So, uh, you know, I, I, I go for what comes by town. The perch are almost always there, but you know, you, you get the rockfish and, uh, obviously blue crabs, the blue crabs make my wife happy. And so if I can go out crabbing, you know, put together, uh, you know, a couple dozen or a half a bushel, we'll have a great weekend. Now, I understand the mackerel and the red drum made it up there this year too. They do. I, you know, I think for me, the Spanish Mac, I mean, you can get a reel that's got a big gear ratio and kind of get it moving fast enough with a lot of cast and retrieve to get on those Spanish Macs if you put yourself in position to get them. But just like anything else, leaving shorelines is the biggest advantage, you know, and the kayak's just not quick enough for me to pursue those Spanish Mac. I did right. get a, I did get a center console this year. We're having some problems with it. We're working on it. It's down in Florida. But hopefully this time next year, I'll have, you know, 150, 200 horsepower pushing me around and increase my range a little bit. And he bit. won't be out there doing the badger either. <laughs> One he won't be in the black water in that. <laughs> no, no, well, he might, just kind of can't get uh, off plane. <laughs> if you do be ready, right, be stuck again. So. That's right. <laughs> um, so I want to talk a little bit about a couple lures real quick while I'll take advantage of that. So, um, you know, for those of you guys that have been reaching out this week about tackle and, and, and asking about lures, okay, we know that live bait's the way to go 90% of the time right now, especially with the unstable temperatures. Um, if I'm going to be throwing any kind of lures, you know, the first thing that I'm always going to is some kind of an inline, whether it's be a MEPS or something from Daryl Willie, you know, or something along them lines. Um, another, some of the other lures that we've been doing really good with are the elastics. You know, we've really been catching some with these. You can slow these baits down, especially yeah, the, slower especially, and smaller. Especially the the lighter the lighter elastics, the smaller ones. I mean, these things. Watch. I mean, these things are just badass. Yeah, bite after bite. You know, so up. right. I, I can't break them. So anyway, you know, they're good to use right now, and we've got the hooks for them too, and we do have some that are pre-rigged also like that. Again, downsize and lures. I mean, Gary, we just talked about this before the show. How big are the shad that you're seeing? They're not real big. Yeah. And you know, one thing we didn't touch on, if you're out there, and especially in your kayak, and you see small small fish in schools, real easy way to tell the difference in a bait, uh, a fry bowl of snakeheads and a fry bowl of uh, shad or some other kind of fish. The shad especially, they swim kind of like in a V, and there's a little ripple that goes with them, mm-hmm. where snakeheads are always in a circle and they're blowing bubbles. Pretty much. So you see That's the difference in it. Because a lot of people are going to see those and they're going to think they're, right. they're fry balls of snake heads, right. but they're not. It's like a little V pattern. You'll see them and then they'll disappear and they'll come back up. And most times there's two or three of them there together. And, and most of the shad that we're seeing right now is gizzard shad. There are a few hmm. bunker and there are some peanut bunker and things like that. But what my point is, is, you know, you will not believe how good a three-inch white Mr. Twister works on a jig head, just thrown out there and reeled or just slowly reeled under a bobber when things get tough. You know, there's another bait that I want to talk about, you know, the swim baits. We all we all like the Kytex. We're all throwing lots of Kytex, but there's a, there's a bait out here that a lot of people are overlooking, and we've been using it here, and we've been having a lot of success with it, and uh, it's the Z-Man Trout Trick. And oh. if you haven't seen this thing, it's, it's, not, it's not very big, you know, and... The tail on this thing, I mean, I'm not even moving it. Imagine the water hitting that thing, the vibration you're going to get out of that, especially with the ribbing that's on that plastic. And uh, that's what they look like, and we've got some still here. We haven't bought them all out, but they've been buying them pretty heavy this week because they've been catching them on. They ain't been talking about it. So if you're here, 
You might want to grab a bag or two or a dozen of these and hide them before anybody else gets them. So uh, that's been a really good bait here. Another thing, the chatterbaits. You know, guys are talking about chatterbaits. You all know that when I have chatterbaits built for me by Daryl Willie, I go small, I go eighth ounce, I get down. You know, sometimes I even go smaller than that. Uh, this Z-Man is a really good chatterbait right here, okay? And, and this is an eighth ounce, and I really like this bait. Uh, I don't have any of Daryl's in my hand to show you, but those baits are equally as well as the Z-Man. So if you haven't had a chance to get in on any of them crazy, cas, crappy flappers, whatever we called them last year, uh, I was using these at bridges like Aries, Draw Bridge, and things like that. And on days when it was tough and I couldn't catch anything, I could at least pitch these underneath the bridge and catch some snakeheads that were 8 to 10 inches anyway to have some fun with. Um, another thing that, that a lot of guys have been doing good here this week is subsurface. With the warning toads, you know, keeping them underneath the surface, not keeping them up top, you know, maybe ride them on the surface for a minute and then let them fall real yeah, slow. Put them, put them on a weighted hook. Yeah, but but like what I was doing the other day was I was reeling it across the top and then just stopping it, letting it fall like, like a yeah. worm. And as it was falling just like a worm, you'd see the line tick and just, you know, so you knew they were there. And I can tell you, uh, I guess I'll tell them on Tuesday it was a little chilly and I think I got about 42 of on the morning toads. So, so don't be afraid to try that, Laura. Um, what else we got? We've got, uh, you know, some of Daryl's chatterbait still here. You know, I've got I'm, some. I'm out of all Daryl's stuff. Out of that. Yeah. Daryl, you better get some shit over here. Uh, what else? Um, am I forgetting anything today? Oh, so a couple guys this week in the sun have been using the small rat, and this is a subsurface bait. So you can get this underneath the surface or you can wake it on the top. And the way to effectively use this, what I was doing last week is I was fishing the shallows, waiting until the sun had been up for a little bit and warm. And I was simply throwing to the bank, hitting the bank, and just one, two, three cranks just real fast just to get it down under the surface. Stop. Let it float back up. One, two, three cranks. Get it down again real quick. Let it come back up. And then that third time, I would just really slow reel just real slow and you get about 10 cranks on it either feel the hit see the hit you know or you get the fish so yeah, that's that's some good stuff to work on um i guess we should give away somebody a wolford store camouflage koozie with a sick of deer on the back of it if you'd like to have that koozie you can leave a comment right now that says i would like to have that koozie and we'll give you that koozie um is there anything else that you can think about that we want to talk to Badger about? Or anything? Oh, you know what I forgot all about? I was just about to remind you. So, you know, we don't like to brag about things. Sometimes we do. Sometimes. Much. But, you know, this isn't bragging. You know, for those of you that know, Gary and Eddie and myself, we've been doing a lot of work here, not just locally, but within the refuge and with other organizations, too. Um, we're all about helping pay it forward. We're all about helping you if, if you're on the same mission that we're on and we can help get your name out here and help you get some things done. We want to help you too. But uh, without getting into it too much, uh, Eddie and myself and Gary today, we, we got this little coin today awarded to us. And it was pretty special. You know, we had a meeting day with Marsha and some folks from Blackwater and we were talking about, you know, what the future holds here for Blackwater. So what does the future hold here for Blackwater? Um, holds a lot and we're going to call it uh, what are we going to call this thing here first, first cast. cast first cast okay so you know we already have a mentor program in place for hunting and that's called the first first shot shot, first shot. okay and the reason that we're telling you about this is we're going to implement a program with the friends of Blackwater and with Blackwater National Wildlife Refuge 
And uh, the program is going to just basically be a mentoring program. So what we're looking for is we're looking for volunteers, you know, that would be interested in help putting this mentor program into production, let's say. Okay. Um, basically, what it's going to be, it's going to be open to people from the ages of, what we're saying, Gary? 18 to 35. 18 to 35 18 but to, it's not limited. It's yeah. not limited to anything. It's open to anybody and everybody. So if you've never been here before, if you've never been to Blackwater, if you want to learn about the refuge, if you want to learn about snakeheads, if you want to learn the biology of snakeheads, um, if you want to learn about the sick of deer, if you want to learn about Blackwater and you want to learn about Dorchester County, that's kind of what this program is going to do. We're going to have several... Uh, like little mini seminars where you can come, you know, and we'll start and we'll progress through the seminars till we get to the fishing stage. And then we'll have a fishing stage where we'll take these people that we're mentoring out and do some fishing and, and do some hands-on stuff. So, um, you know, this is all getting started. We're just trying to let you know because a lot of people say Blackwater's not doing enough. And let me tell you what, Blackwater's doing more than any of you even realize, okay? And to say that is just not true, Okay. Blackwater stands with us and everybody, you know, as far as where we are with our view and our opinion. And we are going to help them, you know, to get this off the ground. And we're going to ask you to help us. So, you know. And anybody interested can, you can just Google Friends of Blackwater, which yep, is an sure. organization that yep. it's exactly what they are. They're Friends of Blackwater. We want you to they, go join, join they Friends do of Blackwater. Donations, they do yep. volunteer yep. work. They, they also, if, if you shop on Amazon, which who doesn't shop on Amazon, they have a thing on Amazon called Smile, which yep. you can, uh, a portion of your purchases on Amazon can, can be uh, Amazon donates to charity. I think it's like 2% of your purchase. Mm-hmm. They will donate to, uh, for you to, to the, uh, uh, nonprofit of your choice and Black, friends of Blackwater is on there. And, and that's a fantastic way of donating. If you, mm-hmm. even if you don't want to join. So the, 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 the point is there's a lot of opportunities here that are available to the public that we want you to take advantage of that just not enough people take advantage of. And I think that if people knew that these opportunities existed and the more opportunities that we present to the public, the more interest we're going to get. And I really think that this, first cast mentor program is going to be something major oh, yeah. not just us here so i mean they've had a great with with the hunting they've yes. had a first shot has been a great success, success. yeah yes. it has and, and actually that's coming up the end of this month i don't mm-hmm. know if there's any openings left in it or not but you can certainly look on their website or make a call and find out and, and i think the biggest thing here is this you know people are watching what we're doing you know people are watching what's going on here in dorchester county and they're paying attention this isn't something I think is going to stop right here in Dorchester no, County. This is, it, this is I, a great model that can right. be transported to any refuge right. or in, any area right. that that is overrun with snakeheads. Or I mean, or if anybody just w- wants to learn about fishing, it's it's a great way to start fishing. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to bring Marsha and and a couple other folks from Blackwater back onto the show again, and we're going to talk about you know what this program is. But I just want to kind of get drop the bomb, you know, put a little teaser out there, kind of tell you guys a little bit about some of the stuff that's going on. I mean, they're looking to put in a pier here to help us out. They're opening new fishing ground for us. They're opening new hunting ground for the public. You can't say Blackwater's not doing anything. Okay, Blackwater wants to be just as much a part of this journey as everybody well, else. They put a parking lot in to alleviate yeah, the, yeah. the issue with, yeah. with blocking yeah. the roads. I yeah. mean, they, they're and, doing and, their part. And, and again, those of you guys over on Key Wallace Drive that think this is to inhibit you from fishing, that's not what it is at all. You've got to understand that when we've got 50, 60 people on a road and you've got that one crazy kid here that wants to ride down the road 
you know, 100 miles an hour and blow by everybody, something bad's going to happen. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but it's an accident waiting to happen. And I'm not just saying that about kids. I'm saying in general, you know, it would be nothing for somebody to take their eye off their, grab their radio, and boom, wipe out three people fishing on the side of Key Wallace. So Blackwater opened that parking lot to give you a safe place to park, a secure place to have your belongings in your vehicle. You know, there's cameras, so they can see people that are coming and going if something happens and your stuff's gone. So... Those of you that think this was something to prohibit or to inhibit the fishing at Key West, that was not the case. We were trying to find a solution to where everybody could still fish and we could make it safe for everybody, including the little kids that are coming here, too. You got to understand these little kids, sometimes they don't think they just yeah. jump, jump right out. If anybody lost from it, it was Roy Bradshaw because he didn't get two people <laughs> yeah. out of the mud. Sorry, Roy. I know we were doing good for you, but... You know, we'll find another ditch to hook Nothing up Nothing like with, fishing worry. all day and then going back to your car being the last one being, being stuck. Oh, God, I can't tell you how many times I've had to help somebody on the side of it and call oh, him man. up and be like, what did you do? I don't know. I was backing up. And next thing you know, I'm on the yeah. side of my car. <laughs> it's called a ditch, dude. They're on every road here, bro. You know, so. Um, are we missing anything? Anything we can think of? What are you, um, what are you thinking of? I don't think so. How's the we... baby doing? How's Eddie doing? How's Eddie feeling? Oh, I feel fine. You're Baby's doing, doing fine. Good. The whole family's doing great. How's so. Gary doing? Gary doing okay? Doing all right. Wife's doing man. okay? Yep. How's the pops doing? Good. Is there still playing the fish in the pond for me? Yeah, actually, I come out on nice bass in there the other day. Oh, yeah? I, I was, uh, I re, re-spooled a line. This went out there to cast it one time, and the uh, first cast with chatterbait slammed about a four-pound bass out of there. Nice. Something wrong with that. I'm waiting to see that three-and-a-half-pound bluegill come up. I'm like, bitch. can't tell you about that. I'll have poachers. <laughs> 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 Mainly you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Gary, 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 Gary. Remember the first video I ever sent I'm just, to you? I'm just glad that the video was there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know that I have much. I know that I, I really appreciate you, Steve. I appreciate everything that you've done, not just for us, but for the state as a whole. Yeah, I man. appreciate everything that you do and the job that you do. Thank you. And for those that don't realize how important his job is, just take an hour and just scroll through the pages of DNR NRP and look at the videos and look at this kind of stuff. And most of what you see is going to be something that our good friend Steve was involved in. Yeah. You think it's easy? Go get your camera. That's right. <laughs> you start making the videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, you know, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say that some of this stuff is out there to help you too. So much like that, that first cast program, if you, if you don't know what you're doing, if you want to know a little something more, learn some of this guy's tricks over here. Don't forget, go check, go to our YouTube channel, check out the how to target videos, check out the regulations yep, videos. Yep. We have a series for snakehead. Uh, and we, we actually did a sort of an offbeat shot with, with David Conflair too, with cornflower. We did a little bit of a commercial side of hook and line blue catfish, yes. but uh, you know, there's a ton that uh, just an amateur guy can take from that video and say, Oh, I'm going to go get on some of these 50, 60, 80 pound blue catfish. Yeah. Right next to Dave. Feel free to reach out. I'm sure he'll yeah. tell you where to get them because yeah. he wants them out of the water too. Target those invasives. If and, you need and, to figure and, out how, reach out. There's a million people that want to help you. DNR is, of course, one of them. And if you know if we can be of service, please let us know. And we set up that other business too, bigbluecatlife.com. So you can go there and you can check that out. And we can get you point in the right direction if you want to go catch some 60 and 80 pound blue cats. And we have lost some that are much bigger than that. It's so. a, it's a, those things get really big, man. They, <laughs> they get oh, yeah. they get monstrous. they get monstrous. Yeah, absolutely. Any more one more from anybody today? I'm good. I'm good. 
It's time. It's now. The Sunday Funday Giveaway. But it's just not Sunday anymore, folks. It's Thursday out here at the Blackwater's Edge Podcast. So look, this week, I'm going to give away a dozen. Actually, you know what? Forget a dozen. I'll tell you what. Janet Lau, that's who I picked. L-A-U. Kapow! I'm going to give you a half bushel of crabs this weekend. All mixed up. All kinds of stuff. You'll have a full belly. Invite your friends and have a party. And before we leave you today, let's leave you with my little crabby jingle from out there at the crab stand. My crabs, they have three first names. It's heavy, full, and fat. My crabs, they have a fourth name. Absolutely mustard-packed! So, if you ask me where they're from, they're 100% guaranteed, Maryland. Number ones, all from right here on the Eastern Shore, right here in Dorchester County, the Chop Tank, Little Chop Tank, Honga River, Hooper Strait, and Fishing Bay. At the crab stand, here's a fact I know for sure you're coming back. Kapow! Kapow! Kapow!